Good evening. So it truly is a blessing to open up God's word with you tonight. Um, and tonight we'll be continuing our series looking at who God is as he reveals himself in the Pentateuch. So, so far we've seen the aseity and simplicity of our great God and how he sees us and shows compassion toward us. And tonight we're going to look at what really is a fear-inducing declaration of God. But I hope that as we uh, read this passage that it would give us uh, a hope and a comfort as well. So if you could turn in your copy of God's word to Genesis chapter 17, we'll begin in verse 1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. So as we continue on in Genesis from last week, we are waiting for the fulfillment of God's promise to Abram back in Genesis 12, that he would be a father to many nations. Uh, but if we can jump into the mind of Abraham here really quickly, uh, we would see, wow, I'm old. Uh, my wife is old. My wife is barren even. God, can you actually bring forth your promise? Uh, or will it be made through Eleazar? But God assures him here, no, it's not going to come through your servant. I will give you your very own son to be your heir. But as Abraham or as Abram and Sarai continue to remain childless, Abram once again loses trust in the Lord and tries to take things into his own hands and has a child with his servant, Hagar. And this then brings us to chapter 17. The Lord appears to Abram with a powerful declaration, I am God Almighty. And what I hope that we see here this evening is that this isn't just a declaration of God's ultimate power, but it's also an assurance to Abram that nothing is left outside of his perfect timing and control. So I hope we can take away this main point from tonight's passage. Fear the God of all power and trust the God who keeps his promises. Fear the God of all power and trust the God who keeps his promises. And I hope to expand upon this central point by looking at two responses to God's promise-keeping power, the first of which is to behold God's power. Now, before Abram was called out of Ur of the Chaldeans, he lived in a family of idol worshipers. He was likely used to treating these gods according to their particular ability, approaching them and coming to worship them when he needed something of their uh, particular area of expertise. But uh, things are certainly different now. Abram does not approach God to inquire about his promise. Instead, here, God approaches Abram. And this isn't just one of many gods who appears to him. This is the one true God. This is the God who, 17 chapters earlier, spoke the entirety of the heavens and the earth into existence. And God surely makes this known, doesn't he? I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. Now, I can't even begin to imagine the sheer terror that Abram must be feeling here as the thunderous voice of the Lord shakes the earth around him. This is the same God a chapter later who would uh, reduce Sodom and Gomorrah to a heaping pile of ash and dust. Uh, this is the same God 
whose presence alone upon Mount Sinai would make the entire nation of Israel tremble. God is declaring here that he is not just powerful to allow a barren 90-year-old woman to conceive. He is and he has been powerful to keep her from conceiving until his timing is right. And I want to pause and ask here, how big is your view of God? And how does that affect your posture toward him? And also, where do you place limits on the extent of God's ability? And what I think should be even more frightening here is the command that follows the declaration. I am God Almighty, so walk before me and be blameless. This is the requirement of God Almighty for his people. Not being mostly good or only having a few mess-ups. God demands blamelessness in response to his character. Absolute perfection. Even more so, God makes this requirement knowing that just one chapter ago, Abram and Sarai doubted God's promise and tried to conceive through Hagar. He made this command knowing Abram lied and endangered Sarai as they walked through Egypt. Yet a holy, all-powerful God cannot be near what is impure. So purity is what he expects of Abram. And this is also what he expects of us. And just as Abram has failed before he can even begin to take heed to the command, we in our own strength cannot even begin to live blamelessly before God. Yet it's so easy to say to ourselves, you know, if we just overcome this one sin, then I'll be righteous before God. It's so easy for us to set our own bars. But we can't examine ourselves by our own standards. We have to examine ourselves according to the standards of the God of perfection, the God here of all might. And as we examine ourselves, we should fall to our face as Abram does three verses later. Because we stand guilty, unclean, and powerless before the God of all might and wisdom. But we do not stand hopeless. And this leads us to our, the second response that, should we ha- that we should have toward God and his promise to Abraham. And that is to believe God's promise. As Abram stands here, doubting the promises of God, as he examines the inability of Sarai to bear himself a son, God does not appear to crush Abram's hope. He does not appear to place an unattainable requirement upon the promise. God appears to give Abram hope. Let's continue reading in this passage. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, Walk before me and be blameless that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. So what exactly is God doing here? He's assuring Abram that he alone by himself will make his covenant and by himself he will multiply Abram greatly. God is saying to Abram, you in your own strength are not able to bring forth this promise but I am a God who is able. Because God holds all wisdom and authority and power, God is entirely unable to fail to keep his promise. 
and even more so, we have hope because God himself makes promises to us. We see in Romans 4 that this is exactly what Abraham believed. He did not weaken in his faith when he considered his body, which was as good as dead, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief could make him waver concerning the promises of God, not because he trusted in himself, but his faith grew strong as he gave glory to God. His faith grew strong as he was fully convinced that God was able to do everything that he had promised. And it's for this reason that Abram was counted blameless before God, not because of anything that he had done, but because he trusted in the promise of God Almighty. And how much more true should this be for us? We don't just have a promise to look upon, but we have the fulfillment of that promise that we can look upon. Ever since the fall in Genesis 3, we've been waiting for the seed of the woman who would finally come and crush the head of the serpent and restore man's, right, or man's relationship to God. Uh, the promise to Abraham here uh, and the sign of circumcision given to him point us to look for a son until ultimately God Almighty himself comes to the earth to be born in human vesture. Jesus Christ lives the blameless life that we cannot, and he takes all of our blame and all of our guilt upon himself. Uh, he is then resurrected from the grave in power and is raised to the right hand of the Father, where he sits to this day reigning over all things in all authority. And this is how we can walk blamelessly before God, not by anything that we have done, but because God Almighty is able to save wretched sinners like us. His grace is sufficient to forgive even the greatest debt of sin. And if you're here this evening and you're not a Christian, know that the only thing you need to do to have right standing before God is forsake your life of sin and turn and believe, trust in the promise of God fulfilled in Christ. And for us believers, meditate upon God's faithfulness toward us. Let his almighty power change the way you think even. Respond to his ability by growing in humility, confidence, and thankfulness. First, growing in humility, do so uh, seeing how greatly our life depends on God. Take his command to walk blamelessly seriously. Realize that you can't walk blamelessly on your own. And when you see your own weaknesses there, will you see it as a chance to display your own power? Or will you see it as an opportunity for the power of Christ to be perfected in you? And we should also grow in confidence, knowing that our God has not failed to keep his promise in any way. Have confidence that God Almighty, in all his power and almightiness and splendor, is not distant from us. He is drawn near. So approach his throne boldly in prayer. Know that he can and he will answer your pleas. Also know that the spirit of God Almighty dwells within you, and by that, walk blamelessly. Lastly, grow in thankfulness, reflecting upon everything that God has saved us from and reflecting on everything that he has saved us to and called us to. How could we not grow 
uh, and respond in joy and thanksgiving when we look upon all that he's done for us. But as much as we can know the almighty power of God, as much as we can see evidences of his faithfulness throughout time, it is not always easy to believe in his promises. As I sat on this passage and prepared, God showed me so many ways uh, that I have failed to trust his power. Uh, I ask for strength and deliverance from sin, uh, but I don't fully trust that his strength is sufficient to give me victory over it. And I know this is so easy for us to do in our sin. Our sin makes us feel hopeless. It forces our gaze away from the sufficient power of God, and it fixes our gaze upon our own inability. We think we haven't grown in our sanctification, so how could we be a follower of Christ? We see a sin that has persisted for months or even years, and we begin to question God's ability to deliver us from it. Yet there is no time limit upon the fulfillment of God's promises. Look back at the beginning of verse 1 again. Abram was 99 years old when the Lord appeared to him. But if we go back a couple chapters earlier, he was 75 when he first received the promise. And over those 25 years, God was no less willing and no less able to keep his promise. And today, God is no less able and willing to complete the work that he began in us. So some specific steps that have been particularly helpful in turning this knowledge of the Almighty God into a, a confidence is to know, consider, and then walk. So know that God and his power defeated sin and death on the cross. Then consider yourself victorious over sin by the work of God Almighty. And then walk blameless in the assurance of that victory. For as long as we live in this mortal body, sin will continue to plague us. It will continue to try to exercise dominion over us. But no addiction, no broken relationship with a child or parent, no sexual failure, no unending anxiety, no outbursts of anger will see victory over you. For God Almighty has declared victory over sin, and he's invited you to share in that victory through Jesus Christ. Romans 8.39 says that nothing, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God displayed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Please pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, you are the almighty God. Help us to know uh, the completeness of your power and fear you rightly and grow us in confidence that you have kept your promises and you will surely continue to do so. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.